Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. It may not sound like him, but I promise it's me. (laughs) Uh, Usually I get these chest colds in November. So here we are at the end of September, and I sound like this. I feel as good as I sound. But in the world we live in now, even though... We are separated by, in most cases, miles and miles. No COVID issues, been tested. Just one of those regular old colds that is affecting the vocal cords. So here we are, and we've got two hours to talk like this here on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday, September the 26th of 2022. It is currently just 59 degrees in downtown South Bend, Indiana, with some cloudy skies. Tonight, mostly cloudy, 40% chance of showers, a few storms possible, low of 47, and then just a high of 57 tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers, breezy, and cool. Well, this is definitely one of those days where I miss having a few co-hosts sitting around where I can just ask a question and shut up and not have to talk for a little while and just drink my water. I've got plenty of water ready to go to fight through this, but I'll be talking to you and we'll make it through it together. So thank you so much for joining me as we look back at Notre Dame's 45-32 victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels in Chapel Hill Saturday night. It was definitely a a big crowd at Keenan Stadium. Over 50,000 fans were there. 
most of them extremely disappointed. I think back to last week prior to the game when North Carolina head coach Mac Brown met the media and he was asked about his 3-0 Tar Heels not being ranked in either the AP or coaches polls. That's after beating Florida A&M, Appalachian State, and Georgia State. And Mac was not going to say they should be ranked. He was very diplomatic about it, saying his days at ESPN, the national championship game would take place, and all of a sudden they're asking, who are the four teams that are going to make it next year? We have to write a story. So the polls aren't important until you start getting to November when the college football playoff polls come out. And Mac is right. These polls don't mean anything. And he probably knew as a really good football coach that his team has deficiencies that would eventually pop up. And there's a reason why they were not ranked in the top 25. We all watched together on Saturday. Notre Dame dismantled that North Carolina defense. And I think we can sit here and say there was a reason why they were not ranked in the top 25 prior to this matchup with the Fighting Irish. That was a demolition job done by Notre Dame over the final three quarters of the ball game as they put up 45 points over the final 45 minutes of that ball game. It really felt like they won by more than 13 because they were so dominant throughout on both sides of the football. But North Carolina picked up some late points, made the ball game look a little different from a box score perspective. If you didn't watch the game, maybe you thought Carolina put up a pretty good fight when actually defensively that was an interesting performance to say the least. And Notre Dame definitely took advantage. So we've got two hours to talk about this game. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up. It's actually been going on since yesterday. It's going to be a 48-hour poll. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. You'll hear from Irish quarterback Drew Pine. Marcus Freeman talks about the defensive effort of his Notre Dame football team. Josh Downs had a couple of touchdowns, but he had just four catches for 32 yards in the ball game. not nearly the factor he was last year overall with 10 catches for 143 yards. Did the game play out the way I thought? We'll recap how I laid out the game on Friday's program, so we'll re- recap that. We've got game balls to hand out in our My 5 question of the day, and we'll get a different perspective on the game. My colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat, Tyler Horka, was live at Keenan Stadium watching that ball game, reporting on it for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll get his perspective on the Irish win coming up at the bottom of this hour as we get Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolling for this Monday, September the 26th of 2022. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Second and goal from the one. Estimate to the left of Pine. He's in the shotgun. He stands on the five-yard line. Gives to Estimate easily into the end zone right up the middle. Goes in standing up. 2.37 until halftime in Chapel Hill. 
Notre Dame leads North Carolina 20 to 14. Logan Diggs, play action. Now Pine rolls to the right, sets up. Diggs is wide open at the 10, by himself into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Wow. 12-18 left in the third quarter. It's now Notre Dame 30, North Carolina 14. Chris Tyree to his right. He takes the handoff, runs straight ahead, and he gets in. Chris Tyree right up the middle. Touchdown, Notre Dame. It seemed like everybody got in on the fun. On the offensive side of the football, Audric Estime had a pair of rushing touchdowns. Chris Tyree scored on the ground. Then you had receiving scores from Michael Mayer, Lorenzo Stiles, and Logan Diggs. A highly efficient day for the Fighting Irish offense as they put up 576 yards, 85 plays, 6.8 yards gained per play in the ballgame against North Carolina, and they almost doubled the first downs in the ballgame, 35 for the Fighting Irish, 18 for North Carolina. We lead that ball game, at least I do, trying to figure out a balance. And the balance is this. In one week, did the Notre Dame offense figure it out? And this is who they are going forward. If this is who they are going forward, they are going to win a lot of football games. But you think back the seven days prior against California. It was a different day at Notre Dame Stadium for the offense. The average ball thrown down the field by Drew Pine was 2.9 yards. In this game, it was 8.9 yards. So we saw the coaching staff allow Drew to get the ball a little further down the field. So is this the Notre Dame offense taking that big step everybody was waiting on? Or do you look at it differently? Did the offense play a really, really good game, efficient game, executed well, but it was done against one of the worst defenses in the country? That's the balance we have to find as media members and you as football fans. How do you put this effort into proper perspective. No matter which side of the fence that you reside on, we all have to say that was a fantastic offensive performance. And my big takeaway is the one thing that is not fool's gold for sure is that Irish offensive line continues to gel and continues to get better and better. Pro Football Focus came out with their grades again for this week, and for the third straight week, left tackle Joe Alt was the most efficient offensive player for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Now, we take Pro Football Focus grades for what it is. I think it is good for us that it's more of a challenge to evaluate offensive linemen it offers us a numerical perspective on how good of a job these guys are doing. Now, you have to be careful in evaluating offensive linemen individually because it is five guys working together. But Pro Football Focus continues 
to highlight Joe Alt as arguably the best offensive player on this Notre Dame team. I think we all agree Michael Mayer is number one, but grade-wise, Alt continues to be the best. And I believe I saw a stat today from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Pro Football Focus has Alt as the number two offensive lineman grade-wise in the country. Pretty high praise for a guy that didn't start the year last year in the starting lineup. A late addition, and he has taken that opportunity and ran with it. But let's get back to the offense. How do we put this game into perspective? Well, the numbers are eye-popping. The run game, 51 carries for 287 yards and three touchdowns, 5.6 yards per carry. North Carolina's run defense out of 130 FBS teams is 126. Drew Pine, 24 of 34 for 289 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, sacked one time. Drew Pine's day was done against the number 129 out of 130 FBS teams in pass efficiency defense. I refuse to sit here and rob accolades from this Notre Dame football team. Because offensively, they went out and played a highly efficient game. You listen to Dan Orlovsky, who was the analyst on ABC for the Notre Dame-North Carolina game. At one point, I thought he was extremely honest. Well, he was extremely honest throughout, which is refreshing after listening to the NBC broadcast. But I thought Dan made a very honest and fair point that Drew Pine was given a lot of very easy throws by the North Carolina defense. Their coverage was lost. Their coverage was extremely soft on the Irish receivers. And Orlovsky, who played in the National Football League, made, I thought, a very valid statement. At the same time, Drew Pine made the right reads. He executed throws very accurately in the football game. Just because they're wide open doesn't mean it's an automatic pitch and catch. It still has to be delivered accurately. And you know what? Drew Pine did that in the ballgame, to his credit. Did they put forth a stern opposition for Drew Pine in the passing game? Of course not. I thought the Irish did some good things in their game planning to confuse the North Carolina defense that really doesn't need to be confused to be bad. I think there's a lot to be taken from this game. I'm going to hold back throwing confetti, knowing that we knew this Carolina defense was not going to be very good. In fact, I look back at my projections from Friday's show. I had Notre Dame rushing for 235 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. They ended up with 287 and 5.6 yards per carry. So that played out just as expected. We knew their pass efficiency defense was lousy. And you know what? The Irish took advantage of it. Are the Irish fixed? After three offensive games that were not great, and then you have this performance, I think I'd be a fool to say that. 
because of the team they played. But I do know that offensive line is coming together. And based on what Carolina gave Notre Dame, the offense took advantage of it. So let's give praise by also painting a little caution as well. Let's see what happens in the coming weeks. If this becomes reality, well, the Irish figured it out very quickly on the offensive side of the football. And you, the Irish fan, is going to be very excited about the rest of the season. Fighting Irish head coach, Marcus Freeman on the 45-32 victory over North Carolina to even the team's record at 2-2. Two two. Well, obviously, extremely uh, happy for our group of guys and our coaching staff to, to go out and play um, this for entirety, entirety of a game that played really, really well. We played really well, you know, and the beauty of it is there's always room to get better. We can go and we can learn from a lot of situations that happen in the game, but you know, it was a challenge to our offense to be able to run the ball. And it was a challenge to our defense to stop the run. I think the lowest amount they had um, offensively in the first three games was, I think, 183 rushing yards. And to hold that offense to 66 rushing yards was a great um, accomplishment by our defense. Coach Golden and Coach Reese did an unbelievable job at preparing this group. And um, I'm really happy for where this team is progressing. And, and that's what I just told them in the locker room. Sometimes we let the outcome kind of mask some things, right? And, and continue to look at, is this a football team that's getting better? And it is, they're playing better, they're practicing better. And that's the challenge, continue to get better. And uh, it was good to see the performance today. So with that, I'll open up the question. All right, there you go, Marcus Freeman after the game on Saturday down in Chapel Hill. One thing he has stressed to his football team was finishing strong, although he backed off that a tad bit after the Marshall game. But if you want to nitpick, it was not a great finish to the game. It kind of left a little sour taste in your mouth after a fun hour and a half of watching this team just roll up and down the field offensively. Carolina got a couple of late touchdowns. Cam Hart got burned in a fourth down and long situation late in the ballgame when you can't let anybody get behind you. And Orlovsky pointed that out, that maybe Cam was cheating a little bit, trying to come up with an interception. Now, who knows if that's accurate. Yet another targeting call against J.D. Bertrand. So there were a few hiccups at the end of the game. But the middle two quarters was classic Notre Dame football. Running that ball extremely well. Mixing in the pass and playing, I thought, very sound defense. As Drake May looked kind of normal in this football game. After three three great games, May 17 of 32 for 301 yards, five touchdowns. Those numbers look great. But Drew Pine outplayed him throughout the day, no matter what the stats show. He was not able to run the football like he had the previous games. 13 carries for 36 yards. Now he lost some yardage due to the three sacks that Notre Dame came up with in the football game. But early on, May ran the ball. I was really worried because Plummer of Cal did the same thing last week at Notre Dame Stadium. May got free, but Notre Dame did a better job with their pass rush lanes, kept him in the pocket, and his legs did not hurt the Fighting Irish in this contact. Riley Mills had two of the three sacks for this Fighting Irish football team. Maris Leofow and Isaiah Foskey split the other sack. So Carolina's offense dominant so far this year. 
in this ball game, 367 yards, 60 plays, 6.1 yards per play. Notre Dame 45, North Carolina 32. The Heels are three and one. The Irish have won two in a row. They're back to two and two. By week this week, then they head to Vegas to take on 19th ranked BYU Saturday, October 8th at 7:30, right here on WSBT Radio. More post-game comments from Marcus Freeman and quarterback Drew Pine still to come. We're going to step aside for a moment. I'm going to bring in a guy who can talk a whole lot better than I can right now. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He was at the game, and we'll get his perspective on the Irish's 13-point victory next as Sportsbeat continues on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat. Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back. In trouble. He sacks. At the 15-yard line, J.D. Bertrand got him. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Lola got there first. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Oh, intercepted. This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Monday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett with you again. Apologize. The voice is not 100% today with a little chest cold, but the golden voice of Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, is here to talk some Notre Dame football. He was at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill for Saturday's 45-32 Notre Dame victory over North Carolina. Well, Tyler, you were sitting in the press box. You had a great view of the field. Just to be sure, it wasn't like 14 Notre Dame offensive players against 12 or 11 Carolina defensive players because it sure seemed like it watching it on TV considering the wide-open receivers at times Drew Pine had to throw to. Well, yeah, sitting uh, on your couch, I'm sure it seemed that way because I'm sure I went back and rewatched the game, so I actually can confirm this on some of those plays, it looked like North Carolina had defensive backs completely out of the camera shot, which is just uh, incredible to think about considering you could probably play one yard away from some of these Notre Dame wide receivers and they're still not going to get behind you. Apparently Gene Chizik <laughs> and North Carolina didn't uh, read that scouting report. Uh, there was a there was a third down to Jaden Thomas where I think the defensive back was playing 12 to 13 yards off the line of scrimmage. It was third and five. Jaden Thomas literally ran a five-yard out and picked up the first down in the second half of that game. So, yeah, I was sitting there in the press box and uh, just as bewildered as some of the people at home. But, you know, for Notre Dame's sake, it was uh, this had the makings of a get-right game, and North Carolina's defense, or lack thereof, played into that. And credit Notre Dame, give credit where credit is due. They still had to go out and execute those plays and, you no know, execute is the word that they've been harping on all season. They still had to go out and make plays. And rewatching that game and watching it there live in North Carolina, the Notre Dame offense obviously came to play. They were alert. They were awake. They were ready. They knew that they probably had a little bit of a mismatch. But it's just like a boxing match or, you know, go to any other sport. There's always going to be a favorite and there's always going to be an underdog. Technically, Notre Dame was the underdog by, by most betting lines, but 
Notre Dame knew that when its offense was on the field, it was going to have an advantage because pretty much every team that North Carolina has played or will play, the offense on the other side has an advantage. And, yeah, Notre Dame goes from looking like one of the worst offenses in FBS football, and the numbers would say that through week three, to one of the best in week four alone. Uh, They have a bye week to – I'm sure everyone will kind of forget about what happened in North Carolina by the time (laughs) the Irish get on the field against BYU and Las Vegas in a couple of weeks because, you know, it's a whole new season. It's a whole new week. It's a whole new opponent. But for one week only, North Carolina and subsequently some of the things that Notre Dame did made the Irish look like a very confident and pretty, you know, very good offensive team. Yeah, even Dan Orlovsky on the broadcast mentioned they're just giving Drew Pine easy throws. Now, you still have to throw it accurately and get the right read, but they were giving him easy throws, and your example you know, plays into that, which leads to my next question, Tyler. We give credit to Notre Dame for executing. They did what they needed to do. Carolina gave them, I think, some great opportunities, and Notre Dame took advantage. Maybe two weeks ago they don't take advantage. Who knows? But to be fair to the whole situation we don't want to build this up to be like oh it's fixed look at them go after you know seven days of work all of a sudden this offense is ready to roll how do you personally balance how much Notre Dame got better offensively but also factor in Carolina's 126 in run defense and 129 in pass efficiency defense yeah, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. I think there are still some holes for Notre Dame, as many holes as there can be when you pass for 289 yards and rush for 287 yards. That's a balanced day at the office for any football team that's going out and playing against anybody. But you look at the Notre Dame receiving chart, and obviously Michael Mayer is at the top, seven catches, 88 yards, one touchdown. You like to see Lorenzo Styles right there underneath him, five catches, 69 yards, and that long 30-yard touchdown. But then it's Chris Tyree with four catches for 24 yards. And Logan Diggs, three catches, 65 yards. Two running backs, you know, making up almost 100 of those passing yards that you have. That's awesome. That's good offense. We saw it against Cal. Notre Dame does not win the Cal game without a very healthy output from the running backs in the passing game. But that is still that still goes to show how ineffective guys like Jaden Thomas are, who only had two catches for 24 yards, or Braden Lindsey two catches for 12 yards, and then Matt Salerno rounds out the receiving one catch for seven yards. So teams that are competent enough to take Michael Mayer out of the game as much as they can, you're never going to take him out. But even Cal held him to two catches for 10 yards. And I know one of those was the game-winning touchdown, but two catches for 10 yards, you will take that every single time against Michael Mayer. Subsequently, it was a, a tied game in the fourth quarter, and Notre Dame only won by a touchdown. So you take Mayer out, and maybe Styles doesn't. Styles has been very consistent, and that's been very key for Notre Dame's offense. But somebody is going to find a way to take him out of the game when you do that. And if you stymie Mayer as much as you can, you're left with what Pine did against Cal, which was, you know, it was effective game plan, and he executed it to the best of his ability, but it was still only 150 yards and two touchdowns. You play a team like BYU, they might get you. You play a team like Clemson, they might get you. I know USC didn't look good this past weekend against Oregon State, but you know, that's probably a one-off and more of an anomaly than anything else. They're going to score offense, offensive points. So there, there are some holes, and, yeah, th- this was very much – if I had to say lean one way or the other, put it into perspective this way, was this more of Notre Dame all of a sudden clicking overnight and becoming an offensive judge or not, or was it playing against – you laid out the numbers right there. One, one of the worst teams 
in the FBS defensively. I think it's more of the latter. I think this had more to do with North Carolina being so bad than it did Notre Dame just waking up. And again, we're going to find out when Notre Dame plays a team like BYU, who's better than North Carolina defensively. And even Syracuse is a game defensively. So Notre Dame did what it had to do, but let's not act like this was a cure-all and this was, you know, this is foreshadowing what's going to happen the rest of the way. There's still eight games left and none of those eight teams, I'm not, UNLV might have a better defense than North Carolina for all we know. Oh boy. Well, I hope it is a cure-all because I like that cure-all to go to my poor Broncos after watching last night's game winning 11 to 10. I just hope we can get better in five weeks, let alone just one week. Tyler Hork is my guest, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You know, we always talk about pro football focus and their grades, and I was reading a story at blueandgold.com today about the grades from the Carolina a game and you know I I like looking at them especially the offensive linemen because that's the hardest thing to grade I think on the offensive side of the football and you look at Drew Pine had a good day but he's only eighth in line for Notre Dame players for grades so I thought that was kind of interesting but you know what at the top once again it was Joe Alt for a third straight game he graded out the best I think one thing I'm very confident in saying that the offensive line on Saturday played extremely well no matter who was across from them. I think they have gotten so much better since the first game that this is a really important development because with this starting to fall into place, if I'm right, then everything Marcus Freeman has talked about, wanting to be an offensive line program and defensive line program, which also allows you to run the football, all of a sudden that takes a lot of pressure off Drew Pine if this becomes a consistent part of their offense. Yeah, it goes back to the balancing act thing that we just talked about. How much of it was North Carolina was just not physical enough and not getting up to the line of scrimmage, or how much was it Notre Dame offensive linemen pushing those guys back and creating those running lanes and you know opening up holes for guys like Audrey Estime and, and Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree. In that case, you know when you're looking at it less holistically and just kind of zeroing in on mm-hmm. that facet of the game, I think it was more of the Notre Dame offensive line playing well. And yes, that's because they have better players up front offensively than Notre, than North Carolina did defensively, but those guys came to play and you could see it each and every down. They were really pushing guys back and they were, they knew what they were doing. They were assignment sound. This was a more complex game plan than it was against Cal and they looked better. And then not to say they were bad against Cal because I think they took a leap in that game too, but they took another one against North Carolina. It was really refreshing to see because whether it was the rollout stuff, obviously the wheel route was executed to yep. perfect. And the offensive line is in on those plays too. They have to get defenders thinking play's going to go this way when it's actually going that way. So, you know, football is an 11-man sport, and five of those are offensive linemen on every single play. So that, that just shows you how important that particular position group was. It's why we were talking about them when they played poorly against Ohio State and Marshall. And it's why we're talking about them now because against – North Carolina, that 5.6 yards per carry average that you see for the entire team, and 7.9 for Audrey Estime on 17 carries, 5.3 for Chris Tyree on 15 carries. Even Logan Diggs ran 10 times for 50 yards. That all starts up front, and those three guys will be the first to tell you that. Tommy Reese will tell you that, and Drew Pine will tell you that. So the Notre Dame offensive line, they're, you know, Notre Dame is trying to build its identity on those guys up front, and as the season progresses, I do agree with you that that is becoming more and more the case. Tyler, I mentioned earlier, I thought 
the Irish defense at times made Drake May look kind of normal after he looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country over his first three games against lesser competition. If you consider his day normal, how do you think the Irish were able to make him look like that? I also think that he looked uh, incredibly pedestrian, average, whatever word you want to use. He looked a little flustered, and I think that was the name of the game for Notre Dame. They got to him a little bit. The Riley Mills sack early was huge because Notre Dame struggled a little bit offensively early on. You have to remember that uh, I think the Irish did not score any points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly, oh, no, here we here we go again. Maybe on that first series when Drew Pine had a couple of passes batted down, that was like, oh, no, this might be a long day offensively. But early on, the Notre Dame defense had to do its thing because everybody going into that game said the same thing. You cannot let this one get away from you early because the North Carolina offense is too good. And what happens, Riley Mills goes out and, and gets a big sack and kind of lets Drake May know, hey, we're here <laughs> We are those dudes. Uh, let's quote Jason Adam Alola for like the 15th time <laughs> on this radio show and, and what he said. They wanted to make that known, and I think they did. And from then on, uh, Drake May was missing some easy throws. Uh, you see him ground some balls, and he didn't put the ball into places with precision like he had in the first three games. And I think that was a product of Notre Dame being the best defense that he faced. He, he went out there and he was like, whoa. You know, this isn't Georgia State, this isn't Florida A&M, this isn't Appalachian State. So, yeah, it was, it was a complete effort from the defense. And if you look at his stat line, you're going to see 300 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. It's like, whoa, Notre Dame won in spite of Drake May having an awesome day, but pretty much half yards. I think if you added up, 144 yards came on two throws, and Notre Dame would like those two throws back. Clarence Lewis got beat by Antoine Green, and then I don't know what Notre Dame was doing on fourth and 21, but Cam Hart let Antoine Green run right by him, and then the safety isn't able to get over in time, and then you have another long touchdown. But you take those two away, and you're looking at a Drake May day where he completes about 50% of his passes for 150 yards and three touchdowns. And Drew Pine pretty much had that same stat line last week against Cal, and everyone was asking, ooh, is this going to be enough? Nobody was asking, whoa, did Drake May have enough in the tank before this game? And if that would have been his stat line, I think a lot of people would have been saying, well, this Notre Dame defense is for real. But if you watch the entire game, like, you know, we have to assume most of the people listening this to this did, and obviously we did as well, you would know that Drake May was flustered in that game and Notre Dame made him pretty uncomfortable. It's kind of strange to say when a guy scores two touchdowns, he wasn't a major factor in the game, but Josh Downs was their marquee skill position player. He hurt the Irish the previous year at Notre Dame Stadium. I know he had two touchdowns, and hey, that's a major factor in the game, but otherwise, five targets, five catches, 32 yards, those are numbers I think you can live with going into Saturday's ballgame. Yeah, absolutely, and two words, one name is the reason why that happened, Tariq Bracey, and and this Mm -hmm. is another one of those things where Pro Football Focus is going to show you that he was one of the worst players on the field that day, but... I think he did enough to disrupt Downs, who mainly plays in the slot. He's a slot guy, and Tariq Bracey is a slot corner. So that was mano-mano, Eston Best type of situation. And I think Bracey played him pretty well. And even on that first touchdown that Downs scored, I mean, that's just an incredible play by an incredible receiver. You probably can't ask for much more in coverage going to the corner like that. But, yeah, you, you live with that stat line. And, you know, you don't like to see the two touchdowns that he scored. But it's kind of a trade off. Last year – 
he goes for 10 catches and 142 yards against Notre Dame, but he didn't score any touchdowns. This week, it was the touchdowns, but he didn't do a lot of the things between the 20s that could really hurt you and set up other people to score touchdowns. So if you're going to live with one or the other against a player like that, that's probably what it's going to be what it's going to be. But to limit a guy like that who, you know, he can – he can get 32 yards every single time he catches the ball. He caught the ball five times for 32 yards. And, uh, I think he was only targeted those five times as well. So that, that right there shows you that Notre Dame did a good job of just not letting him get open, not letting him have the middle of the field. And if that was the game plan going in, and it had to be because Josh Downs is Josh Downs, then Notre Dame executed it pretty well. I'm still stunned that Carolina had two weeks to prepare for this game, and that's all their defense could offer. I mean, yeah, horrible. I mean, I, yeah, I, like I said, Gene Shizik, um Oof. I mean, it, I would have stayed on the, the ACC, SEC network. I, I don't know which one he was on, but he was doing a pretty good job. I didn't mind listening to him. I think a lot of people in Chapel Hill mind watching his defense, and uh, they, don't, they probably don't want to see too much more of it. Just hypothetical, your opinion, what do you think is going to be the focus of Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff as Notre Dame embarks on their bye week this week. Of course, it leads into that matchup October 8th in Las Vegas against Brigham Young University. What do you think they're going to emphasize this week? Well, if you're talking from just an overall you know, team standpoint, I would harp on the fact that look how quickly things can change. Two weeks ago, we're sitting here talking about an 0-2 Notre Dame football team and is this team even going to make a bowl game? Is this team, you know, what, what is in store in 2022 for these guys? And then what does that do for the rest of the Marcus Freeman tenure? That's what we were talking about. Two weeks later, they're two and two. I think they're feeling a lot better about themselves. They're pretty confident. They're probably thinking that they can go in and beat BYU in Las Vegas. I don't think anybody thought that was possible, especially before BYU had lost the game. So I would be harping on, hey, this thing can really – change in an instant so you better do all you can to make sure it keeps changing in the positive direction because you do this that wrong or you do that wrong and then all of a sudden you lose to BYU and you have a losing record again and you feel like you're climbing uphill so I would tell them hey realize what this feels like and make sure you keep doing the things that need to be done to to keep it this way and then X's and O's schematically I think Notre Dame kind of is what it is this year the defense is, is really good um, the 32 points and you know some of those garbage time yards that North Carolina got will kind of take away from some of that performance. But by and large, three quarters played an excellent game. And I guess that kind of goes back to some of what happened earlier in the season, though. You could say Notre Dame played an excellent game for three quarters at Ohio, at Ohio State and probably three quarters against Marshall as well. So just kind of harp on finishing ball games, playing 60 minutes, because when this team does put it all together, especially mm-hmm. defensively, I think it can be be pretty good. And then offensively, I think this team just needs to keep progressing. They're they're starting to find a little bit of an identity. I think Drew Pine can do a little bit more than a lot of people would have given him credit for going into this situation. You got to keep him upright, and that starts with the offensive line. And then you got to be able to run the ball as well, because when Drew Pine is protected and he's got a running game to work with, I don't think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in America. And I don't know if he's one of the best, but he's definitely serviceable. And Notre Dame has figured that out through the last two weeks. I've already been asked, 
if Drew Pine was the starter for all four games, what the record of the team is going to be. Maybe we'll save that for next week and have a conversation about that. It's it's interesting, but I don't know if it changes a whole lot. And as I throw to you about what's happening at blueandgold.com, I didn't realize until you posted the story a little bit ago that the Texas player that was shoved by the Texas Tech fan when they ran out on the field to celebrate their win over the Longhorns, it was a former Notre Dame player that got shoved. That's right. That was Ogi Oafu. And I didn't know if I – Ovi, I'm sorry. I didn't know if I was going to write about it when it happened. I saw the videos, and yesterday on Twitter it was it was going super viral. Yeah. But today, today Steve Sarkeesian spoke about it. And, and the reason I posted it is because I included a quote in there that said, Ovi – did everything right. And, you know, this, this could have been a situation where if you don't know the, you know, the background really quickly, Texas tech fan comes up and shoves Ovi from behind pretty forcibly, you know, almost knocks him down. I'm not sure what his height and weight is, but Notre Dame fans know big defensive lineman slash linebacker. When he was here, he, he can make some plays up front in the front seven. If that's a player who has a temper, he turns and, and an ugly scene arises in Lubbock, but you know, he took his lump and, a lump that he did, definitely did not deserve. No player deserves that. So, yeah, it was an interesting comment. I think Steve Sarkeesian has a lot of respect for him. And even though he left Notre Dame, I think a lot of people have respect for him as well. But, yeah, you can find that there on blueandgold.com. And I just finished writing an article looking at every explosive passing play. So every play of 15 or more yards in the Notre Dame offense against North Carolina, I try to analyze something every week. That's what we got on tap for tomorrow morning. And, Definitely go read my coworker Patrick Ingalls' rewatch of the game. Every time he sees the game, I, I don't know how he sees so much. He's a smart guy, but that's all in there at blueandgold.com. And even though it's a bye week, we're going to have plenty more for you guys the rest of the way, kind of some uh, one-third of the way through type of analysis and look back and projections as well. So blueandgold.com, $1 for one year. It is the place to be. Only eight more games left this season, so hop in now. It's, uh, it's flying by, but yeah. – you know, we try to cover it to the best of our ability. And you're doing a terrific job. And, of course, Tyler joins me for game day sports beat on Saturdays. We get this Saturday off. We'll just sit back and watch some football on the couch. But uh, we'll talk to you again next week as we start to rev up the engines once again for what could be a very interesting ball game. And, and it could define the rest of the year for the Irish as they take on BYU. So, Tyler, thank you so much for your time and your analysis, as always. And we'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, Darren, enjoy the weekend off. Well, we got a little hockey game, I guess, Sunday night, but otherwise it'll be a nice, quiet Saturday, that's for sure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tyler. All right, thank you. You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. His thoughts from the press box in Chapel Hill as the Irish took care of North Carolina, 45-32 to even the record at 2-2. Two and two. 5.53 is our time. This is Sportsbeat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sportsbeat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 558 at WSBT. Welcome back to the program. We have an inside look at Mishawaka High School Athletics, Caveman Corner, coming up at 7 o'clock. Then at 7.30, it is Monday Night Football, the 2-0 and 
New York Giants hosting the one and one Dallas Cowboys all right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, for Notre Dame, the offense did not score in the first quarter at North Carolina, but 24 points in the second quarter, 14 points in the third quarter, and a Chris Tyree touchdown early in the fourth helped the Irish put up 45 points against North Carolina. Irish win by 13 to level their record at 2-2. Two and two. For Drew Pine, a couple of passes batted down early in the ballgame. Things got better as the game went on. Pine, 24 of 34 for 289 yards, three touchdowns, did not have an interception, was sacked just one time in the ballgame. And this is what Drew Pine had to say following the ballgame down in Chapel Hill as the Irish won 45-32. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, winning's always great. And, you know, I think we, you know, focus all week on execution. And Coach, you know, Freeman and Coach Reese both, focus on that and our offense went out there and executed we scored on a lot of drives and that all starts with our alignment you know um our line has played and worked so hard and coach Usain gets them in a great position to be out to be able to go out there and succeed and those guys plays their ta- play their tails off for our backs and for myself and for our whole team and um you know I think it's just an all-around great team win Drew what's going through your mind when those first two passes get batted down kind of like last week didn't start how you wanted to, mm-hmm. but also like last week, eventually you rebound and, and you get it going. Yeah, um, you know something that you know, I've always talked about is just you know one. And Coach Freeman always says it's one play, one life. And you know, if, no matter what happens in the last play, whether it's good or bad, you got to move on to the next one because you know you can't dwell on it. And I really focused on that today. And for the couple of bad plays I had, you know, I just thought about one play, one life. Go on to the next play, and you know, try my best to. Get to execute and do my job and get the team in a good position to succeed on that play. So, um, you know, so, uh, slow start, fast start, no matter what, um, my mentality is always going to be the same when I'm on that field. Drew, I, I noticed walking off the field there, you and uh, Harry Eastman shared a moment, handshake, what, what was said there? And I mean, kind of your first comments were, you know, being appreciative of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So, seemed like that was something that stood out. Yeah, I mean, Coach Easton has been unbelievable for our program, for our offense, for our offensive line ever since he's came in. He demands such a high standard for every single one of those guys, and all those guys respond to it really well. You know, they, they every single day they go in and they know that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough because Coach Easton holds them to such a high standard, but they want that, and they want to get better, and they want to, you know, succeed, and, and that's what Coach Easton does. And, um, you know, Coach Easton is a – Great line coach, and he loves quarterbacks, which is great, which I love too. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just so thankful for him and all the preparation that he does to get our guys to succeed. And, you know, Joe Walt, J Pat, Zeke, Lug, and, and Fish all, you know, just battle their butts off for him every single play and for our team. So, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about Coach Easton. You guys kept off balance on first down there in the second, third quarter. I think 265 yards on first down alone. Was it? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think Coach Reese has called an unbelievable game. Um, he puts me in a position to go out there and just succeed and and do my job and execute. And I mean, almost I can't tell you how many times I went over to and ran over the phone and said, "Coach Reese, that was all you." Like that, you know, that's. I mean, he just puts us in such good positions to succeed. And um, you know, the drive starters, he 
again, he just puts us in a position to succeed. So that's all, you know, Coach Reese and the guys playing hard. And, um, you know, it's pretty good having three backs that can do everything. Um, so I'm very, very thankful for all those guys. What was the emphasis to get the ball to Mayer a little bit more? It seemed like in the first half there were even the jet sweep. You found ways to do it, and ways that were harder last week. What would, what made it easier to find the big guy this time? Um, you know, just like I said with Coach Reese, uh, he puts us in a position to succeed every single play, and and you know, I was able to find Mike a couple more times this week, and uh, and just execute and do my job and get the ball to him. And you know, I'm very happy because you know he's such a great player, and get, getting the ball in his hands is something that our offense can really, you know, benefit from. So, uh, you know, Mike's just an unbelievable player. Drew, there was a couple of plays, both digs that I mean, wide open. Mm -hmm. What did you guys sort of see on tape going into it? Why why was that play so effective for you guys? Um, well, you know, actually, the, well, the first play uh, during the – it was a drive drive starter. We were going into the tunnel where we ran out, and it was a, it was a naked, and I threw it out of bounds. And no one went with the running back, and we noticed it. And, uh, you know, so, so the next time Diggs was – no one was around him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty awesome feeling, you know, except that ball feels like it's in the air for 20 seconds. Um, but, you know, just, again, a credit to Coach Reese. He called an unbelievable game and put us in a great position to succeed. Your last question, Tyler. Drew, what does it do for you as a quarterback to connect with Lorenzo Styles down the field for a touchdown like that? How much how much yeah. confidence that give you? Yeah, you know, Lorenzo is such a – He's such a hard worker and such a such a determined kid and someone who, you know, sets such high goals for himself because he wants to be so great. And so, you know, giving Zoe some confidence and, and I mean he doesn't need any, but you know, scoring a touchdown for Zoe and doing all that is something that he deserved and he, something that he's worked for. And uh, I'm very happy that we connected on that. And there you go. Drew Pine, your starting quarterback, two career starts, two victories for Drew Pine. And now the competition level will go up a week from Saturday when the Irish are in Las Vegas taking on number 19 BYU. The Cougars are 3-1, and one, and they have a game coming up against Utah State this Saturday. It is 6.04. WSBT, a Sports Center update, is coming up in just a couple of moments. Also still to come, our Twitter question of the day, Marcus Freeman on the Irish defense. And did the game play out the way I laid out on Friday? We'll get to that and more coming up as Sportsbeat continues on this Monday evening on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six sixteen at Sports Radio 960 WSBT Sports Beat continues. Darren Pritchett with you on this Victory Monday, following Notre Dame turning back North Carolina in Chapel Hill. 45 to 32. Well, the Fighting Irish defense knew they were up against a, a really significant offensive opponent in North Carolina. They had been so impressive over their first three games. Now, App State was really the best opponent they had faced so far this year, but they had looked dominant over their first three contests. And you know what? At the end of the day, if you just look at the box score, 
You don't watch the game. You look at Drake May's numbers. Wow, 17 of 32, 301 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. You're thinking, wow, he was pretty doggone good, and the offense wasn't the reason why they lost the football game. Honestly, the middle portion of that ball game, the Notre Dame defense had a lot of answers for Drake May and the North Carolina offense. You know, they had a good drive at the end, or I should say early on in the first quarter, their opening drive, they went down the field and May hit Josh Downs on a four-yard touchdown to make it 7 nothing. just about five and a half minutes into the ball game. From there, Notre Dame's defense really settled in. Now, they gave up a couple of late touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which can go under the category of really not affecting the outcome of the game, but disappointing, taking a little steam off the win. But still, I thought the defense was up to the challenge. They had three sacks in the ball game. Riley Mills came up with two of the three sacks for Notre Dame. They took away the running game, 26 carries for 66 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. Now, of course, some sacks take away from that number. But the Carolina rush, rushing attack was not a major factor in this game as the Notre Dame front did a really good job against North Carolina. Their top running back, Marion Hampton, who didn't do anything against App State. All of his numbers came against Florida A&M and Georgia State. His numbers were more like App State. Notre Dame held Hampton 10 carries for 28 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. 12 of the 28 yards came on one carry. Job well done by the Irish defense as... He was, well, I would say North Carolina became pretty one-dimensional in the ballgame. Marcus Freeman, after the game, was asked about the threat of Drake May running the football. He had ran the ball for over 100 yards in the first three ball games. Early on in the Notre Dame game, he had some significant runs, which was a concern. But as the game went on, Notre Dame was able to keep May in check. Here's Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. I wish I could go back and remember that first one. I think there was a couple big plays, you know, a couple shots. No, it was the quarterback scramble, yeah. right? And those, the, you know, as I told those guys, listen, just we have we understand this quarterback can run. You know, we have to keep him contained. But the the other part of that is you can't play spot. Like, that's not going to be what affects a quarterback like that. You have to be aggressive, but understand you have to stay in your rush lanes. And it was good to see the adjustment. Um from our defensive line and, and like I said on the sidelines to him, I don't want you to play cautious, but I want you to be aware that we can't just rush past the quarterback because he'll step up and he'll he'll run. So it was good to see that. Again, the 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 always the challenge defensively is going to be to limit the big plays, right? The explosive plays, the you know, the long throws. We have to do a better job at that. But again, I think for the most part of the game, they really, really battled. Yeah, I would agree with the game on the line. Notre Dame did a really good job late in the fourth quarter. Maybe concentration lacked a little bit or it's just poor decisions, but there were some big plays that occurred that you just don't want to see. But in the middle portion of the game, Al Golden's defense was truly up to the challenge against Mac Brown's offense. Linebackers and safeties in this game, a lot of moving parts. J.D. Bertrand out for the first half due to targeting in the previous game against Cal. Gets another targeting call in the Carolina game, so he'll miss the first half against BYU. You had Ramon Henderson being ruled out before the game. 
during the game, D.J. Brown went down with a hamstring injury. So there are two key parts in the secondary, Henderson and Brown, out of the equation. So Notre Dame mixed and matched and used their depth to get through this football game. Here's Marcus Freeman on his back seven. Yeah. Um, listen, you're going to have to be able to roll, guys. That's why we do it, right? And, and to see Kaiser and Bo and Maris, you saw Prince Kali out there, you know, that's why you roll guys earlier in the year because injuries are going to happen. And to lose Ramon, um, you know, Tariq, we didn't have a backup really at nickel. Jaden Mickey was the, technically the backup nickel, and he ended up playing some corner. And so, you know, we have to roll guys. And that's the whole thought process, being able to roll guys because injuries are going to happen, and we got to make sure we don't lose a step when somebody comes in. I know during the broadcast on ABC, the analyst for the game, Dan Orlovsky, did not like the targeting call against Irish linebacker J.D. Bertrand. Personally, I was not a big fan of the call. The referees' jobs are to protect the players, and if they feel like something that was done in the game, even if it's not malicious, if it is helmet-to-helmet contact, they are going to make the call. Video review is to help with that. Remember, when we first started this targeting, it was just call on the field, and if they blew the call... There was no safety net, but now at least every targeting call is reviewed and the video review crew has an opportunity to look at the tape, fast motion or normal speed. They can slow it down and they ruled that Bertrand targeted the North Carolina players. So that is two consecutive games with targeting against J.D. Bertrand. What was Marcus Freeman's opinion of that? tackle and call it's targeting and you can argue all you want but as i told jd on the field it's our job to learn from that situation so that's it's an entire game he's missed now right he's going to miss the first half of this game he missed he's going to miss the first half of the next game and so we have to learn from and we have to change or you're going to continue to get targeting coming no matter if we agree or disagree and so we have to understand that that's the way the refs called it so we have to practice different ways to tackle. And you got to make sure you're not leading with your head. One is safety, but two, you need to be on the field. So we have to look at that and study and say, well, how do we practice for him in particular a better way to make sure that doesn't happen anymore? All right, so we'll go through the same process once again. In two weeks when the Irish play BYU in Las Vegas, Bertrand will sit out the first half and then ready to roll in the second half against the nationally ranked Cougars. The defense, Jack Kaiser, led the way with nine tackles in the ballgame. Maris Leofau, four solos, six total tackles, including a half a sack in the ballgame. We documented Riley Mills, two sacks in the ballgame, five tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. And Isaiah Foskey had five tackles and a half a sack. So the Fighting Irish walked away with three sacks in the ballgame. They were credited with three pass breakups, two by Cam Hart, and three quarterback hurries. Irish defense up to the challenge against Carolina. Notre Dame wins 45-32. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, let's move to our Twitter question of the day. Let's go back to Friday's program. When I asked you what the outright wagering combo was going to be for the Notre Dame-North Carolina game. 
You voted at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. And here were the results. What outright wagering combination will play out for Notre Dame, North Carolina? Third place in the voting at 7.1%. This was the most, I should say, less likely of the three to happen since Carolina was only a two-point favorite. But Carolina wins and Notre Dame covers. That means it had to be basically a one-point game. 7.1% felt like it was going to be that close of a game. Second place in the voting, 32.1% said that North Carolina was not only going to win the game, they were going to cover the two points. And winning the vote, and this was the correct answer, 60.7% of you felt like that Notre Dame was going to win the game outright and sure enough they did by 13 so Notre Dame did not even need those two points from a wagering standpoint so 60.7% of people who voted at 960 Sportsbeat were exactly right the correct answer was Notre Dame would win the game we thank you for voting and today's question is kind of a 48 hour question I started it yesterday afternoon during the NFL games So here is the question you can vote on right now through tomorrow afternoon at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. Notre Dame had 287 rushing yards against North Carolina's 123rd ranked rushing defense. The passing game posted 289 yards against North Carolina's 127th pass efficiency defense. So here's the question. How do you now feel about the Irish offense after that performance? Number one, you're now sold on the Notre Dame offense. This is going to be the group we are going to see moving forward. Choice number two, great job by the Irish offense, but you're concerned that they took advantage of a very poor North Carolina defense. So those are your two choices. What's your takeaway from the Notre Dame offense and their dominating performance against North Carolina? You're now sold on the Irish offense. This is who they're going to be going forward. Or do you take it with a grain of salt? Great job, but they took advantage of a very poor defense at North Carolina. We'll continue the voting until tomorrow afternoon. You can vote again on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. It's been an interesting vote so far. I was just really curious to see how fans felt about that performance. All right, we'll bring you the results on tomorrow's program. 628 at WSBT. Did the game play out the way I thought on Friday? We'll go through that next as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by Rutgers.
here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We have Cavemen Corner coming up at the top of the hour. Look inside of Mishawaka Athletics here on WSBT Radio. The Mishawaka football team moved up to number one in the Class 5A football polls today. Congratulations to Coach Kinder's team. I know it's just a ranking and you don't win trophies for being number one after week six action, but I think it's great for the community Great for the students, great for the high school, and I think everybody should be proud of being number one, even though it's just heading into week seven, and you got a major showdown coming up for Mishawaka this Friday night at home against Northwood, who is ranked number five in 4A, and that game likely decides the winner of the Northern Lakes Conference. Mishawaka took care of Warsaw as they played a little Bart ball down in Warsaw against the Tigers last Friday night. Now it is Northwood and Mishawaka, a game that you can hear on our sister station, 96-1 the ton Friday night starting at 645. Should be a lot of fun at Steel Stadium. It is senior night and a lot on the line from a conference perspective for the Mishawaka football team. I know it's going to be a bit of a, a sad night at Steel Stadium. It'll be without someone that's been a big part of the Mishawaka community and Mishawaka High School for a long time, Mike Faulkner, former AD, Director of Operations at Mishawaka High School, passed away last night at the age of 53. And our condolences to Mike's family, his friends, and the entire Mishawaka community and Mishawaka High School. He was a wonderful gentleman, and we lost him way too soon. And I'm sure they'll be talking a bit about Mike coming up Caveman Corner at the top of the hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, on Friday, I tried to lay out how I thought the Notre Dame-North Carolina game would play out. So let's review how we had it on Friday and let's see what was right and what was wrong. And we start with the advantage game we had on Friday. When North Carolina ran the football, I gave the advantage to North Carolina because they were averaging 237 yards per game, and the Notre Dame defense was 95th, giving up 167 yards per game. That was the wrong choice. Notre Dame had the advantage when Carolina ran the football. 28 carries, 66 yards, 2.4 yards per carry for North Carolina. Job well done by the Fighting Irish defense, making Carolina one-dimensional. When Carolina throws the football, I gave the advantage to Carolina. I think you look at the whole ball game, you could call it a draw, but at the end of the day, Carolina made some plays in the fourth quarter that you have to add into the equation, and Drake May had five touchdown passes, so we're going to say that was the right choice that Carolina had the advantage when they threw the football. On Friday, I gave the advantage to Notre Dame when they were going to run the football because Carolina entered the game against Notre Dame, 111th in the country in run defense, giving up 193 yards per game. And even though the Irish were 102 at just 117, this just seemed like the get-right opportunity for the Notre Dame run game. So advantage Notre Dame, and it was. 
advantage Notre Dame. In bold, 51 carries, 287 yards, three touchdowns, 5.6 yards per carry. Audric Estime, 17 for 134. Chris Tyree, 15 for 80. Logan Diggs, 10 for 50. And even Drew Pine had six rushes for 20 yards. On Friday, when Notre Dame threw the football, I said advantage, Notre Dame. And that played out against one of the weakest pass efficiency defenses in the country, Drew Pine. 289 yards, three touchdowns, no mistakes, only sacked one time. No doubt it was advantage Notre Dame when the Irish threw the football. They had no answer for Michael Mayer, the Irish tight end. Targeted nine times, seven catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. Lorenzo Styles targeted six times, five catches, 69 yards and a touchdown. We called special teams neutral on Friday. And, you know, nothing really stands out too much, although Notre Dame did a nice job on punt returns. Affectionately known as Fair Catch U, Brandon Joseph had three returns for 43 yards, a long of 17. John Sott had a punt for 54 yards. Blake Groupie, one out of two on field goal tries. So we'll give the advantage to Notre Dame on special teams. And the intangibles, I went with Carolina. They had a lot to gain. Sold out crowd, 3-0. When approved to the country, they were for real. Well, they failed the test, and they looked like a team that had beaten Florida A&M and Georgia State, and I still give them credit for winning at App State. But I think we see why Florida A&M had 24 points in the opener against North Carolina. My game predictions, I had Carolina scoring first. They did. I had Carolina leading at halftime. The halftime score was 24-14 in favor of Notre Dame. My prediction on Friday, the Irish 40 carries for 235 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. They actually bested that with the 287 yards. I had the wrong combination. I had Chris Tyree for 123 yards and Audric Estime for 75. Well, Estime had 134. And Tyree had 80. So right numbers, just wrong players. I had Drew Pine 16 of 25 for 198 yards. Well, he was 24 of 34 for 289. He threw the ball down the field again. 2.8 yards per throw against California. 8.9 against North Carolina. I had Michael Mayer, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. That was close. Seven for 88 with a score. I had Lorenzo Styles four catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. He went five for 69 and a score. My guesstimate on Carolina's rushing attack, 27 for 144. Obviously, that was way off as Notre Dame held them in check to just 66 yards. I had Drake May going 30 for 40 for 295 and two touchdowns. He was only 17 of 32 for 301 and five touchdowns. My prediction for Notre Dame's leading tackler was Jack Kaiser with 10. Jack Kaiser actually led the way with 9. Unfortunately, I ended up picking Carolina to win the game 33-30. That was definitely wrong. And, of course, that means I had the spread wrong. I had Carolina minus 2. Dead wrong on that. In my My 5 question of the day on Friday, the five ways I thought that the game would play out. 
I had Lorenzo Styles with more receiving yards than Josh Downs, the star receiver for Carolina. That turned out to be an accurate statement. Downs had two touchdowns, but he was outgained by Styles, 69 to 32. I had North Carolina with more sacks than Notre Dame. Wrong. Irish were up 3-1 in that category. I said the Irish would be able to run the ball at will. They sure did. 289 yards. I predicted 872 yards of total offense between the two teams. Actual total, 943. 642. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Great day for former Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton in the National Football League. The rookie playing for the Baltimore Ravens in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. The Ravens' safety was in coverage 14 times. He allowed one catch for 10 yards. He also came up with a key force fumble late in the fourth quarter with the Ravens hanging on to a 31-26 lead. The Patriots receiver running deep into Ravens' territory. Hamilton from behind, dislodged the football, recovered by Baltimore. They got the ball back, went on to beat New England in that matchup. And Pro Football Focus had Kyle Hamilton as the highest-graded Baltimore Ravens defender in that win over New England on Sunday. So Kyle Hamilton, no surprise, making an impact in the National Football League. An update from Hallis Hall, Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, His update on running back David Montgomery, who was injured in the win over Houston yesterday, 23-20 at Soldier Field. Montgomery left the game with what was described as a knee and ankle injury. Eberflus has now made the statement it is an ankle injury for David Montgomery. He is still listed as day-to-day when asked about if Montgomery is heading toward injury reserve, which could cost him four weeks. Eberflus did not go down that road. Bears are 2-1, and one. nice win over Houston, and they will take on the New York Giants Sunday at 1 o'clock on our sister station, Quality Rock Z, 94.3 FM. And how about the Colts maybe saving their season? They knocked off Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Great game by Danny Penner, Quentin Nelson, and the Irish, or the old Irish offensive lineman Nelson as the Colts got it done against Kansas City. Sports wagering next, 648 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 